that's the record button. Have we started? We have started. So this is the Meat for Tea cast. You might always start like that. Who knows? Hello and welcome. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Meat for Tea cast. I am Elizabeth McDuffie. I'm Mark Allen Miller. And this is season five. Episode eight. Yeah. We are heading into the season of Thanksgiving and... Today, we are giving much, much thanks for our... Very much thanks. ...generous friends in our community of largely creatives that has that surrounds us in this lovely valley in which we live. The quick backstory is that our main computer, which is basically Meat for Tea Central, is showing signs of dying. What did it do to show those signs? Oh, we, we lost a bunch of data. The documents the entire, folder. The entire documents folder was just gone. Emptied. Just gone. Uh, fortunately, most of it was backed up. Fortunately, most of the backup was able to be actually recovered from. So it's really only the past month or two's worth of stuff that is up in the air. Anyway, we lost a bunch of data. Pertinent yeah. data, and it became abundantly clear that our what is this a 2013 MacBook? 2011. Oh geez, our geriatric MacBook is just not up to the tasks that we give it. Yeah, it's just it's getting old, and that's what happens with computers. I mean, we got a, we got a lot of use out of this thing, I'll tell you. And this was really good timing because the next issue of Meat for Tea comes out December second. Yeah. So we had a bit of a panic and we posted on our Meat for Tea Facebook page, yikes, and then a whole bunch of people stepped up and we really want to take a, just a moment to thank them. Yeah, just a whole bunch of generous, generous souls. Yeah, like Miriam and Helena and Jeffrey and David and Fraser and Jan and We could do it like we're the red-nosed reindeer. Yeah, or, or on Donner, on Blitzen. Like... Fermato, Fay Studios, Mystics Anonymous, Ellen, Karen, Amy, and Tammy, Mark, Dave, and Adam, Richard, John, and Mary, Dan, and Alex. (laughs) Yes, thank you all. Oh, mercy, that was funny. Okay, yeah, no, that's good, though. Thank you, everybody. Merry holiday. (laughs) It's not Christmas yet. No, it's okay. Thank you, everybody, so much. Tell the people putting music in the grocery store it's not Christmas yet. You tell them that. Yeah, and radio stations. Radio Good stations. Luck. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, thank you, thank you, thank you. We are ever so grateful that um, Happy Happy Upshot is we can get a new powerful MacBook with everything we need to keep doing Meat for Tea and Meat for Tea Press and the podcast. And, yeah, and probably just in time for. <laughs> this one to die. So, all the things <sighs> we do, and we do have, I alluded to it, a Cirque coming up December 2nd. La Salle Cirque. One of the bands has changed now. It's Reverend Dan and the Dirty Catechism, and they'll be joined by Red Knave because Hot Dirt couldn't make it. But we're thrilled to have Red Knave and Art on Exhibit by Rebecca. Schrader, who also does films and performance art. So, locals, yeah. mark your calendars. That's Come. It. It's at the Divine Theater at Gateway City Arts. Doors at 7, sliding scale 5 to 10 to yep. get in. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. 
So we've got a special episode for you. This is a live recording from November 9th. Yeah, at the Lily Library in Florence, Massachusetts, the Florence Poet Society. Yeah, celebrating the release of their annual anthology. It's called Silkworm. This is Silkworm 16. It was themed wide open, and I was very honored and excited to have one of my poems mm-hmm. included in amongst so many luminaries like Gerald Yell and Gary Metris, only you know, former poet laureate yeah. of East Hampton. Yeah, good company to keep, for sure. Brilliant company to keep. So Tommy Twilight hosted the event celebrating the release of the book and everybody was so generous to allow us to record it so we could share it with you all because of course these things are not easy for people around the world to attend when they're in a very specific location so that's what we got coming up it's a special live reading and you're gonna feel like you're there yep that'll come up just a minute because we got to do a little bit of housekeeping let's make this quick yeah just a tiny bit of housekeeping we are entering into Christmas shopping season. Small Business Saturday is coming up. And we ask that you think about the Meat for Tea Spring Store when you're looking for your Christmas gifts for your friends and loved ones and get them some mugs and socks and tote bags and water bottles and hoodies. (laughs) Shower them with beautiful things with the lovely Meatini cartoon or maybe just the Meat for Tea catalog of the choice is yours. And we're running another special of free shipping with any order. So you can use the promo code GOBBLE. GOBBLE. Which, of course, will go on through In keeping with this season. (laughs) And also, when you're doing your Christmas shopping, think about getting some of your friends and family something good to read. Yeah, a subscription or PDFs or single issues or any of the books we've been releasing. We've got a brand new one. We do. From John Shire collection of 100 word stories and we've got another brand new one from John Yammerus called People and Other Bad Ideas. Yep. The John Shire book is called For Now 100 100 word stories I believe. That's right. a, lot, it's a lot of bang for your buck 100 100 words. You can actually go back in this very podcast and listen to a delightful chat I had with John Shire talking about his previous book, not published by us, but a perfectly wonderful book called Stumbling Through Adulthood. Mm-hmm. So all of that and more can be found at meetfortea.com. Yay. That's where all the best ways to support us can be found. But do know we are so grateful for you all. Yeah. Listeners, do tell your friends and family about this podcast. Like, subscribe, share, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Five-star review with writing. The writing really makes a difference. It makes the reviews do more in the algorithm. Yep. We recommend good pods, but wherever you prefer, we're not picky. We do recommend good pods. We think you will enjoy the experience of good pods over some of the others. It's, it's, I don't know, a a friendly user interface. I like, well, it. I like Goodreads, but that's, for podcasts. Yeah, that's where and they I didn't get my give podcasts. lots of lots of dollars to Joe Rogan, so that's another reason to <laughs> pay attention to them. Yep, indeed, indeed. We just keep dumping on Joe Rogan over here. Well, if somebody gave me ten million dollars. I'm sure there would be somebody out there dumping on me. So. Yeah, but you weren't out there saying take ivermectin when you have COVID, so you would deserve it less heartily. Uh, yeah, this is true. 
Anyhow, should we tuck into this wonderful meeting? Yes, let's do it. All right, here we go. Tommy Twilight, take it away. Everybody take your seats. If I was still the captain of the fire department, I'd be going, sit down. That's what I say. <laughs> Sit down and listen. Put your toys away. Put your toys away. Put your leave. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Or we had other sayings too. But I won't. I won't. Uh, I won't go into that. Drop your socks and. That was another one. We. That's what we used to use at the FD. Now we're a kinder, gentler uh, fire department. How's everybody doing tonight? How's everybody doing tonight? How's everybody doing tonight? All right, that's better. This is the Silkworm 16 release party. Silkworm 16, wide open. Wide open. Most of you are. Most of you are poets. And some of you are guests of the poets. And most of the poets that are here tonight have a poem in the book. And this is something we've done every year for the last, oh, 16 or 17 years. I think we, we're, I think we like, got behind a year. And uh, tonight's performance, or tonight's reading, I should say, is going to be recorded by Mark. From uh, and Elizabeth from Me for Tea, and Elizabeth has a poem in the book. And Elizabeth puts out a magazine. Uh, Elizabeth and Mark they put out a magazine called Meet for Tea, and it's a literary magazine. Is that what you'd call it? Yeah, arts and literary. Arts and literary magazine. Visual arts too. And you come out three times quarterly. Time? Quarterly. Quarterly. Now that's serious business. There's a new one coming out December 2nd. We're open for submissions until the 18th, so get her done. Son. Yeah, so if you want to submit to Meet for Tea, and many of our poets here have, and myself included, have had uh, published, been published in Meet for Tea, and I'll tell you what, that is it's probably a little more, more cutting edge or contemporary than some of our silkworm oh, stuff, but know. I don't know about that. You're more, you're more rock and roll. More wide open. Very rock and roll. Well, it's, there's a little bit of a punk rock thing yeah. happening. There is. I like it. We're like, we're more like, uh, we're like, more like the folk music, cheese and we're wine We're like the thing. dead caddies. You're like Crosby, yeah. Stills, Nash and Young. That, there we go. I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and my friend Lori puts out a, a, a Naugatuck River Review. Bravo. And how would you yeah. describe that? That's an, an international literary uh, a journal of, of narrative poetry. Right. I also right. have another journal online. Word, Word piece. Word piece, yeah, right. Which yes, is, has also visual art and fiction and nonfiction yes. and poetry. In it. Yes. Sweet. And many of us have also contributed Sweet. to Word Piece. Word Piece. Really yes. And. Um, I need to submit. I'll send you something. So I'm Tommy Twilight, Tom Clark. Me and my, my friend uh, Carl Russo and I started this group in 2004. And we rented space in the old Florence Grammar School. We used to rent a room once, uh, we started once a week, believe it or not. And we thought that was a little much. 
after a little while. And I think our first meeting, we had like six people. And a couple times we almost gave up. But once the Lilly Library did their renovation and they had this community room, uh, for a while we were even in like the uh, basement of the old Catholic school there for a little while. But first we were in the, the public school, the old public school, which was out of business or the building, the out of service. And then the, um, the Catholic elementary school, which was also closed. And then the Lilly Library finished their renovation and we have this wonderful room. And so we were able to meet here and we are an affiliated, the Florence Poet Society is an affiliated organization of the Lilly Library. Sweet. So this is nice. We have an archive, we're part of an archive at UMass at the, uh, the Big Tall Library where they um, keep our books, and I don't know if Meet for Tea is part of that or not, Meet but you should be. is at W.B. Bois. There you go. Oh, yeah, we are. There you go. So it's part of a archive which is supposedly forever. Now, maybe nothing is forever, but it's in perpetuity at the library kept in the archives. On the 25th floor. On the 25th, way up there somewhere. So, the leaning uh, tower of the library. That's right. The bricks, the falling bricks. When I was there, they had falling bricks. Or the baby, baby eagles. So let me tell you how this is going to go tonight. We are going to read the poem. You're going to read the poem that's in the book. Okay. We are going to go in. We are going to go in order of the book. Okay. Very easy. Go in order of the book. Okay. I will read the name. I know most everyone who's here, okay? So um, a lot of people will not be here, and I'm not going to read their poems, okay? I am going to read one poem, okay? But I'm not going to read their poems. So that's how we're going to do it. We'll take a break about halfway through so we can have a snack. If you want to buy a book, or one of the other books that's up there that are, are available for purchase. And uh, you can do that during the break. And uh, grab a snack during the break. And uh, let's get started, okay? The cover art for this year's book was done by my friend, uh, an artist uh, from East Hampton, Cindy Chamberlain. And, and uh, she is not here today. I was expecting she might be able to come. Uh, she is um, a person who is a, um, like a paraplegic. She's in a wheelchair. And sometimes she has trouble using her hands, but she's also an artist, and she's a wonderful artist. And she doesn't, she wouldn't maybe want me even to, to say that, but just to say that she uh, has overcome a lot with her art. And this is, I believe in what she's doing. And I've been part of a few exhibits and uh, collaborations with her. And she is the artist for this year's cover. We always pick a local artist for our covers. We've had several uh, different ones over the years. And this year it's Cindy Chamberlain. I believe this one's called Meadows. Okay. It's a wrap. It's a wrap cover too. We like those. I like using those. This year's edition is dedicated to, me to the memory of James Francis K. Lane, who was a longtime member of the Florence Poet Society 
And Jim just passed away a few weeks ago. And I was hoping the last several years, it seems like we keep losing a couple members or one member every year, almost it seems. And so I always dedicate the book to one of our Florence poets if we've lost a Florence poet during the, during the year. And I thought this year I wasn't going to have to do that. Jim, one of his things, the last things he did was send me his dues. We, we asked for a donation of $20 if you join the society. You don't have to pay it if you don't have the money. But it helps support the book because we don't have a reading fee. We don't do that. That's not what we do. This is open, wide open for everybody. But Jim has been a member for many, many years. He hasn't been able to come to the meetings. He passed at 90 years old. He was a businessman and a columnist for the Gazette. He's a wonderful guy, uh, you know, wonderful family man, father, grandfather, great-grandfather. And he's a great friend of mine. So in memory of Jim, I'll read his poem. Page 81. Thank you. Page 81. James Francis K. Lane, something happened. Something happened. I went to live in a different place with my grandmother there. She drives me up to school because it's in another district. I like my school and my friends. Here I read, I write and study. I participate in sports I love, like basketball. But mom and dad can't come to my games. Something happened. Wow. Wow. So good. That's good. It's like picking lightning. Yeah. Uh, so I, the first poet that's not here is John Gray. Uh, but the next poet is my great friend and wonderful poet, Lori DeRochers, or also known as Lee DeRochers. And... Uh, She's going to read her poem, Music Open Mics. Hi. Hello, everybody. I'm going to take a picture. Does anybody have a camera? Yeah. Everybody does. I want to take it later. Can we do some kind of photo? We can do that. Music Open Mics. Back when I was singing, I'd bring my little daughter to open mics with art supplies, paper, crayons, snacks, and juice. We'd settle in the back of the coffee shop near all the guitar cases, find a low table where she and the kids of the other performers would busy themselves with drawing or homework while we grown-ups, God, we were young, would take our turns at the mic to sing and play our originals, then maybe order cake. <laughs> Talk about our latest guitar purchase or our favorite musician until the little ones began to nod. I would pick up my child in one arm, guitar case in the other, pack, the, pack them both safely in the car and drive home. Thanks, Lori. Let me... Uh... Just remind you, I'm going to turn mine off. It was beeping. Mine's off. If you can turn your off, cell phone off or silence the damn things. That's great. I appreciate that. Power off. Turn off. Oh, 
oh, now I got to do this too. They don't want you to turn it off. Now it's off. All right. Um, Mark is recording this uh, thing. If you don't want your to be recorded, please tell us so we will not record you, okay? It's going to be part of the Meet for Tea podcast, which is a great thing. I've been on several times, and um, it's wonderful. So uh, George isn't here. I know that. George couldn't make it tonight. Ganilla isn't here, I don't think. She lives in Buffalo. Yeah. But Sasha Berman is here. So let's welcome Sasha Berman with her poem, Blood, Hearts, and Fire. This poem was written about Ukraine, but it could be any war, any horrible war anywhere. Blood, Hearts, and Fire. A war hampered a war hampered by climate's cruel promise, homeland and dwellings reduced to cement, ash, and weeds. Heat can't deflect the cold-blooded ruler. I grieve for broken bloodlines and acts of greed. Cities erased and forcefully abandoned, fearful voices erupt through wireless phones, mortal danger and illness compounded by hunger and cold. Fire fuels the strength in a warrior's bones. Ukrainians lodged in snow and broken concrete, screams from under fallen rocks and rubble. My eyes, red and puffy from crying hot tears, I mourn the brutal chaos of battle. Explosions and invasions by rockets, red glare, I bemoan frontline civilian victims of war. Charlemagne wore red shoes at his coronation. So did Henry, the flamboyant 14th. Every Chinese bride wears a red wedding dress for loyalty, fortune, fertility, and love. I'll wear red when bombs and tanks and firearms are diminished and gone. I'll unfurl and swirl in red ribbon dance when blood is not shed for position, for possession of land. All right. Thank you, Sasha. It's a beautiful poem and so vital and so important that we poets speak out against war. Um, in any way that we can, uh, 100,000 poets for peace, 100,000 poets against war. Let's do that, okay? Every day. I pray, I, I pray for peace every day. And we have been at, the world has been at war forever, forever, forever. And um, it's, it's just not working for me. And it's not working for any of us, so. So thank you, Sasha, for your message today, for your poem. Okay, Linda uh, Waldika is not here today. Linda is uh, 
the new beat poet laureate of Massachusetts. Well deserved. And um, she started with our group uh, many years ago. And uh, she's a person that came to the group. She came all the way from Berkshire County because she didn't see anything up there for her. And so we accepted her, and, and her poetry has grown amazing over the years. I'm not going to read her poem, but you can read it in the book. It's on page 19. Suzanne Heron is not here, I don't think. Kirsten Christensen? No. Karen Warinsky, I know, is not here. Amy LaPrade is not here. But... My great friend, Louis Lamoth, is here. And Louis is, Lou is just like, he's not just like me, but Lou was a firefighter, a deputy chief in West Springfield. Right, Lou? Yes. And Lou is a poet, right, Lou? Right. And Lou is a musician and a songwriter, right? Right, be. And that's what I do. You could be twins. We could be, and we kind of are. He's like my older brother. And he is my older brother. And so please welcome Lou. Lou Lamont. So what a wonderful gift we share, right? This love of words and expression. And um, growing up, uh, we had a term we used for people that gathered like this. And they were called airheads. <laughs> um, you may remember. Uh, and uh, so after coming to a few meetings and getting to know some of the wonderful people that um, uh, apply the art, um, I wanted to express my love for what we do as a community together and um, individually, the different styles, the different means of saying uh, things, uh, opening our hearts and minds to new insights, both, uh, you know, well, anyway, airheads. We meet on the second Thursday of every month from 7 till 9 p.m. at the Public Library in Florence, Massachusetts, where customarily we fill the tiny space to overflowing with original ideas. It is a safe place to gather the power of thoughts together for the purpose of launching poems into an atmosphere of open minds where new dimensions in and out of reality are set free to be read, said, favorably heard, released from the confines of the written word. Thanks, Lou. Thanks, buddy. Irina Tall... Nova Khan, I'd be very surprised if she's here. She's uh, she's a Ukrainian, or uh, I think she's a Ukrainian poet, or somewhere Czechoslovakian or something. 
So she is not here, Russian poet. So we, we get poets, international poets, that submit poems from everywhere. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Hi, Haya. Richard Luftig, I don't believe, is here. But Haya Grossberg is. Are you ready to read us a poem? All right. You came just in time. Hi, Grossberg. This is called In the World. What page? 28. 28. 28. In the World. This microphone is so strong. I'm like, I can whisper. <laughs> All right. Uh, birds so loud, but I did not notice them until the conversation ceased. They compete with traffic or harmonize or make noise next to each other. I did not land until I was at the end of my walk and then saw what was around me. Pine trees, empty bike kiosk, the smiling faces. A motorcycle plows through all the other sounds. The setting sun, a sliver on my cheek, no longer warming me. I want a life where I write and read it out loud every day. After all, the birds sing for us all day, even though it is not for us in their motivation. But every action is for everyone. And that is why every day I want to read out loud what I wrote to an audience who hears it. The birds sing first to each other. We are a secondary audience. I want to read to my own species, even though every other being and thing hears it, which I see when I drive home. The atmosphere and scenery the sky, moon, road, houses, street lights, traffic lights, deer in the night have heard me. I have entered their world, which is now my world. I have entered the world, which is always where I want to be in the world, here, with my surroundings, a small orange-chested bird hopping, a dark squirrel leaping, everyone in their own world and the same world at once. All right. That's very beautiful. Thank you. Madeline Haber, are you here? No. No, no she's not. But she's going to come to the Zoom. She is going to come to the Zoom. That's good. I've connect, somehow connected with her through email or something now. I didn't, haven't met her before. Ernie Brill, are you ready to read a poem? All right, bring it on, brother. Ernie's an educator, a labor activist, uh, quite a good guy. And a writer. And a writer, absolutely. And a reader. Speaking of writing, um, I'm about to have my first book of poetry yes. published with... Um, our beloved Human Era Press. I think that's appropriate because I've made so many of them over my lifetime. So it's called the Long Playing 78. No, that's not, not the time. It's what I am. Okay. Uh, this is called Singing in Brooklyn. My hometown. Right? I don't want to use the mic. Huh? Uh, you don't have to. I don't need a mic, I don't think. Probably not. Okay, ready? 
We were singing on the benches. We were singing in the parks. We were singing for our building. We sang right past the dark. We were singing on the swings. We were singing by the slides, arms around each other. We leaned to harmonize. We were singing on the sidewalks. We were singing next to cars. We were singing to the twilight. We were singing to the stars. We were singing to our sweethearts, not too late and not too soon. We slow danced with nebulas, wrapped our hearts around the moon. We were singing to the trees, singing to the breezy night. We were singing to the world and for everything that's right. We were singing to the Lindy, we were singing to the stroll. The cha-cha and the filly, we walked and we rolled. We sang to street lights, rubber tubing, thin wood slats held up young trees. We sang to mahjong tables and mom's wheeling babies. We were singing to the ice cream men, the delis, pizza places. In the million games we played handball, stickball, running bases. We sang to the Dodgers and to Jackie Robinson. We sang for challenges and we sang for fun. We were singing for our crushes. We were singing for our loves. We sang on Project Rooftops to the Milky Way above. We sang to Coney Island, we sang to Brighton Beach. We sang to dreams of any thought beyond our reach. We were singing in the subways where we scrawled beloved names with whatever was at hand, crayon, chalk, blood, tar, or flames. It was lighted up graffiti and a hag. We didn't squawk. We sang for whatever we could con steal or borrow. Oh, we sang yesterday and looked forward to tomorrow. We sang beyond the bomb, beyond annihilation. We harmonized past obliteration of our station. We sang for love of Brooklyn and for sheer happiness. We sang like we were crazy, which is anyone's good guess. We were singing by the jukeboxes, singing in the joints, from Sheepshead Bay to East New York and over to Greenpoint, from downtown to Williamsburg, Fort Greene and Park Slope, from Bowen Hill to Marine Park to Gravesend, we sang for hope. From Borough Park to Bensonhurst, Flatbush, Bushwick, Cobble Hill, we sang till we were empty, until we had our fill. From Canarsie, past Bedford, Stuyvesant, Red Hook, and Bay Ridge, we sang by the water and we sang by the bridge. You could hear us in the streets, you could hear us on the trains. L-I-R-R-J-N-Q-I-R-T-B-M-T and back again. Sometimes we sang all nighters and in the early morn, if you look close, you'd find us writing liner notes for dawn, singing in Brooklyn. Oh, all right. Brooklyn is well represented here tonight. Yo, who's from Brooklyn? One, two, three, Howie, four, five, six. There you go. Isn't that great? Thanks, Ernie. So um, I got a note from Mark, uh, and does anyone else have to leave early, like have a long drive or have to get out of here or something? Before, like, okay. So, Mark, if you want to read now, that'd be great. Yeah, I would. Let's do it. Uh, thank you. So, we're going to skip to page, um, I don't know, it's 89. kind of 89. I appreciate it. I appreciate thank you. Yeah, no problem, man. I hate to be a special. Person. No, you're. 
You're special. Again, you're and again, I am especially. <laughs> Where'd you drive here from, brother? Uh, Central Mass. Central Mass. Dudley. Dudley Mass. Dudley Mass. Wow. So it's not only central. You got to go central and then south. It's, it's not easy to get. As I like to say, it's South Central, not L.A. <laughs> but Brooklyn, Lincoln Road. Lincoln Road, my family, my mother's side. Yeah, everybody yeah. comes from Brooklyn. Mark, right? I read lips. Can you pull that down? Yes, I can. Um, thank you so much for having me. Um, I couldn't resist coming out here um, because I was getting these emails when my poem was accepted from Info. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Info. I got him. I got to meet Info. <laughs> and then finally, Tommy started putting his name down. I'm like, Phew. I was like, my imagination was going wild. Who is Info? This is kind of an unusual poem for me, and I have to say, uh, I got to credit my friend Adele with this too. Uh, but um, I was really glad to have it accepted, so yeah. thank you. And this is a lovely gathering. Thank you very much for having me. So, for Pinocchio. Hey, little boy, made of wood, you have to be brave and try to be good. No point in lies, no point in tall tales. Be extra careful, keep your nose small. Your face is beguiling with a smile that sings as you dance through life attached to the strings. When you learn how to speak what is right and true, then you'll hold the strings. They won't hold you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Mark. All the way from Dudley, Mass. Yeah, Dudley, baby. Not easy to get to, is it? No, it ain't. It's one of those towns that's not easy to get to. There's a few of those in Massachusetts. Like, how do you get there? It ain't easy. Yeah, basically, yeah, basically. When you go up to Worcester and you go south, there's nothing easy down there. No. Was one of those drowned towns, you know, the Quapin drowned towns? No, that's Enfield, Prescott, Green, Greenwich, 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 and uh, Dana. Four towns. No, there's four. That's it, baby. I know. I know because I know. Yeah, you know. Our next poet, uh, another wonderful Florence poet, Sharon Tracy, and she's going to read her poem, Pandemic Years. Actually, Sharon has two poems, so why don't you read both your darn poems? We're going to read. We're going to read. Three pandemic years. You're, no, you can read whichever one you want. Yeah, I'll read that one. I kind of like the house cat. Whatever you want to do. She gets to pick. Not putting you on the spot. That's right. I'll read uh, pandemic years, and this is after John Burnside and his poem, The Night Fairy. Pandemic years. Had I been more prepared, I might have left before the red maples had shaken free grabbed a small suitcase and some poems to read along the road. I could have slipped away and listened to the stories secondhand, how winter came and covered the bitter fields with frost, the porch light dimming in the dark. Give me back that time and yet, I'm not sure it would be better spent. I would have missed the emptiness, the cold moon rising, the skater spiral etched on Owen's pond. Yeah. 
Yeah. You can read the cat one later if you have the book. <laughs> you don't, she doesn't have to read that. You can, you can read it to yourself. You can read that to yourself sometimes. I like it. She got two in. I mean, most people get one or none. Like it, none. Zero. Nada. We get about, oh gosh, how many, how many did we go through? Like, I don't know, 400 or something, 450, 450 poems or something. Well, like 450 poems, but that's, most people send three, but some people send one. So I don't know, that's still a lot of poems to go through. Jack Graneth is not here, I do not believe. Jim Armenti is not here. I know Jim, he's not here. Wonderful musician, Jim. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Elder statesman of rock. He is the elder statesman of rock. Totally. The lonesome brother. Mm -hmm. The um, respect to him. The, Jim is just amazing. And he's a poet, too. Him and I have been exchanging poems here for the last few years. It's pretty cool. He's had this series going with some other artists where he does like the pictures and he does the poems. It's, it's cool. Greg Kay, I don't believe, is here. Susan is here. Susan Sensman. And she came from, where'd you come from, Susan? East Hampton, but you're not from here. I'm from Chicago. There you go. So she's new to the area, and she sent us a poem, and we're happy to have her here. Susan Sensman. I'm a painter. Yes, she is. Line. The art of breath and touch held soft to edge and pressure, dry brush loaded to liquid level. Adjust the brine to twist and taper, fluid free from more to open drift, a wisp to go, a trace released to whisper. Hold the brush upright, tip touching paper, move wrist to right, outward channels, Cinching narrow to wider, measure streak from stroke to flow. Start again, brush moves un untethered. A clockwise rhythm arrives at crossroads, all options open for traveling off grid, one stopped gap to another. Roaming twine of black ink sigh Line lets flat as tincture describes true form, flow feathered splines of vapor. I felt myself painting, painting a line, the, the wrist thing. I was going to like, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. That was beautiful. Uh, next up. One of my all-time favorite poets, um, and a great friend of mine, and a great uh, longtime member of Florence Poets, and uh, reads all over and does all kinds of stuff, published, I don't know how many books. Howie Fairstein. Maybe during the break you could say something about the uh, Center for New Americans. I will. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of people here, I think, are involved with it. And you, you're a better spokesman than I am, I tell you. Okay, this is uh, page 40. I had to use a shovel for I couldn't lift it in my arms. 
poem for a mentor of mine, a, man, a poet named Gerald Stern, who died about a year ago. Out my front door days after Jerry's death, or was it the same day or days before, retrieving morning paper, sprawl over median stripe, raccoon size of a yearling bear, blood staining striped tail, yellow double lines. One time neighbor, deaf mute, deaf mute Ted stopped his car, shook his head, pounded his chest with his good right hand, as we do in synagogue on the high holy days. Blowflies first on the shoulder, hovering then feeding, frenzied turkey vultures joined by black vultures, tearing chunks of matted flesh. Maybe it was the very day he died, not that it matters, raccoon dead, music still playing, Jerry singing, all of me, never dead. Thanks, Howie. Of course, Jerry Stern, great, great poet, and uh, almost... Uh, and his almost his stories and his presence were <laughs> almost more very entertaining. A very uh, it's hard to describe unless you've seen if you have if you've never got to see Jerry Stern read poetry, uh, you really missed out on something. It's beautiful stuff. Yeah, you can catch him online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Great, great stuff. Thanks for thanks for that tribute to him. And um, Carol Ansovin, is that I say? Am I saying that right, Carol? Oh, she couldn't. Oh, she couldn't stay. She was here, but she couldn't stay. So I don't think she's here. But um, so let's. Uh, so you can read that poem later. Carol was here to come help us set up. She came to get her book, but she had to go home early. She's got young children and stuff. So. Um, our next poet. Uh, my friend Bob Balo, who had a, a radio show on um, the local radio station. Now he's back up in Pittsfield, has a radio show again up there. Does a lot of work up there. He's got a studio up there and has sort of uh, poetry, um, theater, all kinds of things. And uh, I'd like Bob to come up and read his poem, Jake. Uh, for better or worse, my grandson, Jake, followed my footsteps into the Marine Corps. I joined in 1968. He joined last February. <clears throat> and this is entitled Jake, my grandson. I found a handwritten letter delivered by the post office in my box today. Nobody gets mail like this anymore. But grandson Jake has no choice. Not in Marine Corps boot camp. Correspondence there abides by old tricks for new dogs. No phones, no internet, just pen and paper, an envelope and a stamp. Made my day. Best kind of dispatch imaginable. Jake mentioned the Paris Island sand fleas. They like to bite your face when the drill instructor yells attention and you better not 
twitch. Jake says, if I knew the sand fleas were so bad, I would have joined the Air Force. <laughs> Jake mentioned the uh, gas chamber. That's the part of recruit training. <clears throat> That's the part of recruit training when you try out your gas mask in a room filled with tear gas. Skin burned like hell, lungs full of spicy hot gas. And Jake mentioned, I hope I make you proud at graduation. That was on May the 12th. But of course, I've been proud of Jake since he was born, August 26, 1998. I'm pretty sure they don't make grandkids exactly like him these days. And nobody gets mail like this anymore. Thanks, Bob. Yeah. Excellent stuff. And we'll be back in just a moment. And welcome back. Now we're moving right along here. This is good. Have a good night, Mark. Safe driving, okay? Yep. Um, Jerry Yell is a poet and a longtime member of the... Uh, Florence Poets, another guy who's published several books and uh, has this great uh, voice, great style that he has. So please welcome yeah. Jerry Young. Thanks, Tom. And thanks, Mark and Elizabeth. I'm going to read um, Dreams We Can Live Without, page 45. For years I kept it to myself, but I can talk about it now. That apparition that turned out to be the Blessed Virgin. She comes and hovers over me while I sleep, and as soon as I see her, I let out a yelp. And I don't care if you are the Blessed Virgin. It's one of the most frightening things, waking up with someone looming six feet over your bed. And of course, once I holler, she's gone. Then my roommate or wife or whoever happens to be also in the room is startled, and I can't get back to sleep. As I say, it doesn't often happen, but I think it's trying to tell me to do things differently. The world itself is doing things differently. Ferns filling the woods so thick, if you went under the canopy, you wouldn't see the sky. Green light filters in through layers of pine needles covering the roof. I imagine creatures living there. Then clouds block the sun, and thunder closes in, and I'm afraid it's going to rain. And thank you a lot. Thanks, Jerry. Okay, I think we'll do two more, and then we'll take a little break for a few minutes so we can chit-chat and have another snack or look at the books back there if you want to pick up another book or whatever. Um, like I said, the old Florence Poets uh, Society, the old silkworms, if there's a stack of them, it means I have quite a few of them. If there's like one... It means it's like the last one. And you, you can't have that. That's for posterity. But when I have a book, when I have a stack of them, I wish that you would take some. I wish you would. Like, give me like a dollar or five dollars or something and take them. Okay. Sometimes you end up with a box full. It depends on how many you print, right? So I usually start with a hundred. Sometimes I have to print more, and that's good. 
But sometimes it's not the case. Sometimes I printed like 200 or something, and now I have 50 left. What am I going to do with those things? We talked, Howie mentioned the 30 poems in November for the Center for New Americans. You know, this is a fundraising event that um, we have been involved with since the very beginning when Leslie and Newman started it, I think 15 years ago. And my friend Carl, uh, the late great Carl Russo would say, Tom, I think we should get do this Center for New Americans. This is a good thing. So I said, okay, Carl. And that's what Carl would sound like. And so uh, various members of the Florence Poets have participated in this. I think I counted 12 this year that are involved in it, that are writing, yes, out of the ones who are here and myself. And, uh, of course, Jean and uh, several of us have been the chairperson of the event as well. Myself, Lori, uh, Jean, um, I don't know, maybe there's other ones I can't think right now. But please... Support your local poet who's trying to write 30 poems in November. Every day you're trying to write a poem. And um, if you uh, go to the, uh, the Center for New Americans webpage, you can, you can look up the 30 poems in November. And you can look, you can look for the list of poet, poets. It's not the easiest thing to find. It's not. But so when I post a poem on Facebook... I put the link right there so you can click on the link and say, that goes right to Tommy Twilight's page. So if you want to support Tommy Twilight's poem, and you can read it on Facebook. And I write one, most every day I write one. And, uh, I don't know, 10 bucks? 100 bucks? Five bucks? Five bucks? Whatever. It uh, supports people who are legal immigrants to this country that are new here that need to get a foothold and um, helps them to have uh, English, uh, learn English, and uh, helps them with logistical things, you know, getting a driver's license or helping them find an apartment, different things like that. So they do good work. We've supported them for a long time. Who would think that poets could raise money? Now, years ago when we started, it raised, I don't know, maybe a couple thousand dollars at first. We thought it was great. I was the chairperson. I was like, after about five or six years or however long it was, I, maybe it was about 10 years, I said, I don't know, whatever. I said, well, I'll do this. She asked me to do it. I said, we're going to raise $25,000. She's like, we'll never do that. We did it. I got the, the uh, poet, poet laureate of the United States, Juan Felipe Herrera, and I said, give me a slogan, Juan. And he did. And I can't remember what the slogan is, but it was good. And so we used his quote, and and uh, and now they they raised fifty over fifty thousand dollars last year. So it's over sixty. Today is the ninth day. They've already raised forty thousand. So it's amazing. It's amazing. And there's like I think there's seventy five something like that. Seventy five writers or something like that. I don't know. It's crazy. They're dependent on us now. Yeah. I feel like I have to. I feel like I have to do it every year. I wasn't. I was like I don't want to do this this year, but I did it anyway. So anyways. That's my speech for the Center for New Americans. For the 30 poems in November, it's a great, fun thing to do and support your local poet and support a wonderful organization. That's all I got to say about that. That's enough of that. Stephanie, would you like to read a poem? Yeah, sure. Now, Stephanie uh, did the, um, she is my um, 
proofreader. And Stephanie is the most amazing proofreader I've ever known. She is. She already, oh, she already found two errors. Oh. Because when I proofread something, I'm like, that looks all right to me. I speak English. That looks okay to me. But you did nice work on that. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Stephanie Sheffern. Can you go with Sometimes friendships are made in the most unlikely places and for the most unlikely, uh, in the most unlikely circumstances. And the poem I'm about to read to you is based on a friendship that I made. Uh, I had just come to Amherst. Uh, it was 1985. My daughter needed to see an eye doctor because she was five and she watched TV like that and knew something was wrong. And I sat in the waiting room of Dr. Blyman's office, and I heard this elderly woman and her daughter speaking Spanish. And I'm bilingual, and I love all things Spanish, so I started speaking. And it turned out that Margo, who is the subject of the poem, was here from Barcelona, reluctantly. Her daughter had brought her because she needed two cataract surgeries. We became great friends, and it was uh, at that time based on our loneliness. And uh, our friendship just grew for a decade until she died. So this is called Prayer Far From Home. I watch you struggling toward April's resurrection. Eyes lifted skyward, half blind at 96, whispering, Ay de mi, senor. Mm -hmm. Do it. Thanks, Stephanie. I like to just absorb that poem for a second. Jeannie Gillian, I do not believe, is here. Jonathan B. Abel, Abel is not here. Sarah, hmm? Sarah. Uh, Eileen Kennedy is here. Oh, yeah, did I skip Sarah? Yes, you did. Yes, Sarah is not here either. I think Sarah is from like. Georgia or Florida or something, somewhere. I think so. Yeah, we get we get people from everywhere. Sometimes they come to the Zoom meeting. They'll come to the Zoom reading, which is great. Like I say, we have international ones too. We've had them from Australia, India, uh, various parts of Europe, Canada, South America, lots of different places. Huh? I don't know how they find us. They send us a poem and we put it in. Okay. Eileen is Costa Rica and she's reading next. Please welcome Eileen P. Kennedy, one of our great poets, one of our wonderful Florence poets. Hello. Hi. Um, so there's a number of my writing group buddies here and they know that I have been working on a, a collection of echo poetry about the environmental crisis with a Norwegian artist named Irene Christensen, and it's damn depressing. Mm -hmm. So I winter in Costa Rica, which is my happy place. So I wrote a poem about Costa Rica where they seem to handle their land a lot better than we do. And um, 
it's a pretty happy poem. Where I Live in Winter. The flower petals having made a world soft enough to walk through, I can take you there. This is my casita, my desk, my books, my shower where a gecko dances at night, chasing insects. There you can see a portrait of the poet who, after finishing her book, leapt, oh boy, from a 33-story building, dispersing her wings as she never could in life. The red ginger here are covered with monarchs. From the rodeo, a path leads up through the purple allium, where smells of onion before you arrive, to a patch where you can view the city. There is a house hidden close by where you'll hear a rooster crowing. When you start to climb, you might pause after the hill rises to the coconut tree. Stop and drink the milk. And then again, at the highest point, where on a clear day, you can reach the cobalt of the blue sea. The best time is late afternoon, when the orange-breasted falcons fly, the sky opens. Your mind becomes sharp, free of the grave. The earth embraces you, and the cloud shutters close down. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's take a seven-minute break. Seven-minute break, and we'll have another snack. Talk amongst yourselves. Enjoy the company of your poet friends. And check out the books in the back. Thank you. I'm gar I'm guarding the rest of this. Thank you. Are we ready for the second half here? Yeah. Bring it on, baby. Why not? Great, Bob got back in. Somebody let him back in? Good. The library locks the door at 8 o'clock. So. so once you leave, you either have to knock on the window or the door or get our attention somehow if you want to come back in. So we're in a safe space. As long as you trust everyone here, you're in a safe space. Um, Anita is not here tonight. But Carla is. So, Carla, would you like to read a poem for us? Sure. Carla Cook. Please welcome Carla. Thank you. So I've been writing for a very long time, um, but for about 25 years on the early side of that, I was writing every night in a journal um, about what happened during the day. Not about anything I felt or thought, but just like what I did, who I met, all that kind of thing. So, um, so I had this 25-year record of my life. And uh, I was writing very small, like between each set of blue lines, I would write three lines of text. So my life fits into two boxes, file boxes, and they would be the first thing that I would take if my house were on fire. So this is called Elasticity. Open the journal. In the space of an instant, 
fly back 40 years. Compulsive record, pages filled with tiny script skittering through time. The past stretches out, elastic recollection suddenly contract. The notebook closes, hiding memories from view. Blink into this day. So this journal thing, Carla, yes, you've been doing this really forever, <laughs> and you're still doing it. I do it less, and less. I write more about like, what I actually think or what happens or process stuff. Yeah. But it's the compulsive every night. I, I wish I had the discipline to do something yeah. like that. I write almost every day. A quarter of a century. Yeah. A long time. Mm -hmm. Sarah Sullivan is not here tonight. Insane. Elizabeth Wolf is not here. Robert Perry. Is here. Robert, yeah, Robert Perry. No, I'm sorry, I skipped Bob, but he's Bob's not here. He's he's a Worcester guy too. It's a long ways from Worcester. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get out of there. Like Dudley. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. It's like big. It's like big Dudley there. Worcester's like big Dudley. And uh, there's a song that. Uh, Local songwriter Roger Saloom. This is his big famous song. Gotta get out of Worcester. That was his his uh, his one hit wonder there, right there. He did eventually. Yeah, he was Yeah. Mike McDonald's not here. Brooks Robards not here today. Herb's not here. Laura Rodley's not here. George Wallace. He's traveling the world, but he's not here today. Uh, Gabor, a Hungarian guy, he's not here today. He's probably in Hungary. He's another guy that travels the world, reading, writing, reading and writing poems. Paul Slazik, another Worcester guy there. Joe Voss, not here. Am I going to find anybody that's here today? We have a lot to look forward to. We do. You have a lot to read. Diane Richelli, Rochelle, is not here today, I don't believe. Jan? Jan Lamberg was going to come today, but she wasn't feeling well. I think Diane was going to try and come too. She emailed me. Faith Kindness is not here today. Lindy Witten is not here. Tina Meyer, where are you, Tina? You were going to come. Uh, Finn, Finn Finley, Laura Varney. Hey. Hey, I knew we'd get to somebody eventually. Hey. Oh, hey. Hey, I know wow. you. The impresario of... Too bad she's not here. Yes. <laughs> the impresario of Meat for Tea, and my good friend, and a wonderful poet, and catalyst for art in the Valley, oh. Elizabeth McDuffie. Thanks, everyone. I'm not going to do a big, long preamble, but I'll say this much. I've been lucky enough to be um, in Sivia Gover's Dreaming on the Page, writing circles. And um, if you don't use your dreams as fodder for poetry, count yourself a fool. So 
Uh, also, made for Tea is open for submissions until the 18th, and we have a cert coming up on December 2nd. Be there or be dodecahedron. <laughs> this is called handiwork. I was a cross-stitch sampler with a long verse till she cut eyes side with the monster out of me and handed the words freed out of context to the mother in this harvest gold and avocado green prairie home where she'd been brought to mend to rehabilitate the ex-con, and we are the threads and yarn she twisted and tangled her fingers in, inextricably. So she had to cut us to free herself, and now we dangle, loose, out of context. We side with the monster. Wow. wow. Holy cow. Thanks, Elizabeth. Good stuff. You should. Why not? I never submit. I don't. I have a trouble submitting as well. That's why we start our own shit. Right. Don't submit. Start your own shit. Don't submit. I got you there. Pretty good Dinah Kadeski. You're up, my friend. You're here. You're going to give us a poem, aren't you? All right. Thank you. Thank you, Tommy. I was practicing to be nervous, but then, you know, I, but you're my tribe, so, you know, it's stupid. I, I already spilled uh, seltzer on my blouse, but it's seltzer, so I'm lucky, you know. So if you want to follow along, it's on page 76. I'm going to read from paper with larger print. <laughs> so um, we, all, we all think about poetry a lot, and sometimes we write about it which is what I've done here. Um, poetry is always true, even when it isn't, so I like that. This is called Some Suggestions for Managing a Poem. First, ask the poem to whisper in your ear before dawn, before the morning dove's first coo, before all the others are awake. Then sit at the computer. Your cat was instructed to help you by lying on your keyboard, stroke her head until the poem begins to purr. Now ask the poem to tell you a little about itself, where it originally came from, what it does for a living, and if it comes here often. Next, you color the page with all 64 Crayola crayons, then scrape away with your fingernails to read only that which is ready to be exposed. Now a test. Fold a poem into a paper airplane, then, then sailing it into the air, you are asked to follow faithfully wherever it leads you. And then you might bake it at 350 degrees Fahrenheit with shredded mozzarella, topped also with extra incendiary words for added heat. Next, paste the poem against the outer wall of an abandoned house, words facing inward, then go inside and listen with your ear held very close. Another test. You'll be asked to dive off a bridge using the poem as your parachute. Ready? Tie the poem to a long pole 
the kind which opens the tall windows of a school, then run naked and shouting like a jouster through the New York Stock Exchange. Next, hold the poem like a fan, then fan the flames of political dissent. Then trace your feet on typing paper and line your shoes with it. Understand that the most powerful work comes from under where you stand. Roll the poem into a funnel and hold it against your ear to hear the sound of dolphins plotting their escape from SeaWorld. Go now, stand atop the wailing walls of every city and blow the poem like a shofar. Back home, record the poem into an audio file, then play it backwards and listen to the Esperanto of the heart. Finally, drop little pieces of the poem to the ground as you walk, as you walk in the labyrinth lost, as you walk in the world lost, and know that you will find your way home. That was a tour de force, wasn't it? Nicely done, nicely done. There's some good poems in this book. I hate to tell you. A couple of good ones in there. Meg Smith, not here today. Jane McFratis Johnson, how about you read us a poem? Jane, can you do that for us, please? I'm sorry. It's it took okay. a good it's, shot at it. I, I've heard it actress before. Yeah. <laughs> um, I lived in in Wyoming for about five years before we moved east. And uh, this poem is is remembered from those days. One day I was on my computer and. Um, I'm not sure how I ended up there, but I saw a picture of this very cafe. Um, and I then tried to get a copy of the, the picture and even went to the little library in Story, Wyoming, and had a long conversation with the librarian, and I still haven't found that photo, the only one that exists anywhere, I think. Um, but this gives you a feel for the little town in the Bighorn Mountains and a sad story of something that happened there. The Dine a Mite Cafe in 1975 could be forgiven for its given name, seeing as how it sat across the road from the town's two-room grammar school, and the town sat in the Bighorn Mountains. But the town was a mite small, too, and so was Jerry, the wiry Irish proprietor with fiery red hair. His partner was built like a mountain, high and wide, maybe twice Jerry's weight and dimensions. Everyone called him Tiny, of course, and nobody knew his birth name, only his girth, his mirth, 
and hence his nickname was a given too. They were our Mutt and Jeff, and their cafe with red cushioned bar stools circling the counter was where the loyal clientele gathered to wait for their kids, read the daily rag, grab a coffee and a crusty joke or two before facing the day. Others maybe shot a little pool because like the school, the dynamite was a two room deal. And Jerry and Tiny had a good deal with the school. Lunch for the kids, and some kids even had child-sized cues. <laughs> Ours did. I opened my mail there, and one day it was an acceptance of two poems for publication. My first, I let on. Tiny and Jerry announced my breakfast was on the house and free refills for all. We were all family. Everything was fun until it all blew up and closed down. Someone gave their partnership a name, <coughs> unholy and unwelcome in that place and time. Maybe still is. The gentle giant and his boyfriend were run out of town. The cafe, constructed of round field stones, one on top of another, with two big glass windows wide open, became a metaphor, and its name, an omen for the damage a spark can do, a lit fuse. Aww. Don't you love a good story poem? It's, it's yes. pretty good. Our next poet uh, is uh, wonderful Jean Blakeman, and she also um, did the uh, was a chairperson for the Thirty Poems in November, and uh, she's still writing poems for that too, aren't you? This year, yes, you are. And I hope that she'll come up and read. And I mean, your poems are so short here; you could probably read both of them if you wish but uh, whichever one you prefer. Okay, Jean? Jean Blakeman. Well, it's so nice to be here. And thank you, everyone, for your poems. Um, I am writing for 30 poems, but I haven't made my page yet, so I'm going to catch up. Um, okay, so I do have two poems. Um, I think I'll read the second one. I can't really pronounce the title of the first one, so... So, little vestula. Thank you, yes. And what I want is in the form of a fib, which is short for Fibonacci. And the form of this poem is um, where the first... The, sil the number of syllables in each, in each line is based on adding the numbers from the previous two lines. So it's kind of fun to play with. Um, and, and the story, I guess I wrote this poem because I kept hearing that it's really good to get sun on your face early in the day or something like that. So, so they say. So they say. They do. What I want. Where is the sun at sunrise? The one thing I want is peace. It could be anywhere. Oh. 
Well said, my friend. Well said. Anna Dupre is not here today. I wish she was, because I love her poems. Beautiful woman and a wonderful poet, uh, Florence poet. Paul Richmond, my great friend Paul Richmond, also not here today. Robin Coolbeth, no way, she ain't here. She could be here. She's not. She doesn't live far away. This is a poem in itself. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with that. It's a not here poem. Edward Bruce Bynum. Bruce really wanted to be here tonight, but he had this thing scheduled out of town. He wrote me like three letters saying, "Tommy, I really want to be there." Wow. He ain't there. Mark was here, but he left. Sharon Vayette. She ain't here either. Susan Middleton. I know. I'm missing all these people. But you know, we have a room full of people here, so we should be grateful for that. If this was uh, two years ago, none of us were here, right? We're doing it again on Zoom on November 18th, I think? 19th? Sorry, thank you. 19th, a Sunday. It's a Sunday afternoon. And um, so you're welcome to also go to the Zoom meeting, because I'm sure you will hear poets that aren't here today. Will you record it? The Zoom meeting? Yes. Yes. So Lori and Anidi are co-hosting the Zoom meeting, correct? Thank you. Yeah, I didn't know whether Anita could make it. I guess, oh, she could make this. No, she can't make it to this. Great. But you are co-hosting the Zoom meeting with Anita. I know. Anita's doing the announcing stuff, and I'm going to use my account so that everybody's happy and you are working together. Working you are collaborating. Thank you. Beautiful. So that's on November 19th, I think at 1.30 in the afternoon, if I'm not mistaken. And I will, she will, uh, Anita will send out an email to all the contributors and to the Florence, uh, the Florence, po Florence Poets email list too. We're having trouble with our email. I don't know if you know this, but the Outlook, Outlook is bad. Outlook is bad because it no longer connects with Google. So if you try to send a list email, like an email list from Outlook, which our Florence Poets is, to Google, so anyone with a Google email, they don't get it. And for a long time, I didn't even know they weren't getting it. So and you get a Google email? I'm going to, yeah, we do. Yes. Get a yes. Gmail? Yes. We'll get a Gmail. Send Gmail to everybody else. Yeah. That's what I've been trying to do. So that's why you are here tonight, because you, because I had to finagle it. So, not not your problem. My problem. Susan Middleton is not here tonight. I edited that poem. You edited Susan's poem? Yeah. I could read it for you if you want. Do you want to read it? Only if you. Want to go well, we got some time. I think there's only a few left. Would you like to read Susan's poem? Well, uh, she would like you to read it, I'm I'll, sure. I'll tell her. I'll be meeting with her tomorrow. On Zoom. Yeah. I can tell her I read it. That's great, if you would, because I, I mean, I think she's a wonderful poet. So. She, she sure is. is. Fine person, too. I get to work with her every Fine week. human being. Oh, I nice. This is Walker by Susan Middleton. Watching bugs up close traverse hard surfaces... I wondered, how do they coordinate six tiny limbs with such speed and panache? Moving about with a walker after getting both hips replaced, I get it now. 
surrounded by four metal tubes on wheeled feet, my two legs become six. The walker, a kind of exoskeleton structure that allows boneless beetles to perambulate. I'm not reading very well. Though not as fast as ants or graceful as June bugs, I'm learning how to travel not just forward, but backward too, even sideways. Only body parts missing from my new insect adventure are wings. Yes. <laughs> she had she had hip replacement and writing about it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. There's a lot of us, I'm sure. You know, poetry is some in some ways it's an art of maturity, isn't it? I mean, you gain you start to lose something. I, I, you start to lose some abilities. I do. I feel myself losing different abilities. But the poetry and sort of you gaining in wisdom and experience every day, and you learn stuff, right? And, and hopefully you write about it. And so this is what we do. Um, Jerry Waller, my, my good friend Jerry's not here tonight. John Michael Sears uh, keeps sending me letters, but he lives far away. Gary Mitras is uh, the beat, is not the beat poet. He is the poet laureate of East Hampton. I still not, or the former poet laureate? Yes, there is, so your term has expired. The new guy is... Uh, well, I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry, I didn't know. I couldn't remember who it was. Carolyn Cushing is the new poet, beat poet laureate. Okay. Well, maybe I, maybe I knew it, but I can't keep everything in my fat head. Thank you. Gary Mitras, please. Uh, thank you, Tommy. And thanks for taking my poem. Uh, this poem is called 50 Lines from Rain After Tommy Twilight. Pay, pay attention to the first three lines, please. Okay. One raindrop, and I keep drawing breath from rain that wanes, that waxes and wanes. I'm going to pause right there to show you how I wrote this poem. This is Tommy's book. Yep. Okay. Oh. 50 words for rain. Here's the first line of the first poem in the book. One raindrop. Second line from the second poem of the book. When I continue to draw breath from the rain. The third line from the third poem in the book. As it waxes and wanes. So you get it? Yeah. <laughs> so I went through the book and got 50 lines out of it. I thank Tommy for that inspiration. It happened accidentally. And you can try this with any uh, uh, book of poems that you want, that you like as a favorite, and see what happens. And this one here was remarkable that it all hung together, I think. So let me start again. 50 lines from Rain. One raindrop, and I keep drawing breath from rain that waxes and wanes for loving her, whom I caught as she kicked away, and we fell on the world like great sheets. 
Is it jealous to laugh? Not at her golden body. This can be the plan if she were not so frightened, maybe of this black book. There is no way to win any war until we believe. We dry ourselves with her gaze. She is fire, she burns forever. What happened in the rain as tears cut two tracks of white lines as if love was nothing but droplets of nightly resurrection? When the vehicle of her body moves past in steady repose, you become a sailor boy and thunder is your mistress. How could such be together? Roots and stone with pickle pickles with Pickle pickers asking, are those your toes stuck in sand? Be the bull, El Toro, textured like dust and blessing us. Yes, I did think this. In your heart, light me up. Breathe as if Jesus was a bird of process and demand from her sprouts and flushes. Still, woman is earth's tap dancing to a tink Tinkle, tink, song, under light diffused through thunderclouds, working hard against every iron bar and block. Downpour, piss down, precipitate, precipitate, colder than the day before when a cock was thick and hard, but the bird knows how to sing. She sings her whole self. She sings her whole being. Wow. Wow. But it's better than anything I ever wrote. <laughs> wow. So I'm immortalized in, in Gary's piece there. It's a tribute. It is. It, it, I'm grateful for such a thing. It, it, it's, Somewhat humbled or embarrassed or something because um, we write these poems. I've been writing poems for since I was a, since I was in sixth grade, okay, and all through high school. And I was writing lyrics for songs for rock songs. After I dropped out of college, I thought I was going to be a rock and roll star, and didn't. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Thank you. So if you want my book. It's in the back. <laughs> Fifteen bucks. And he wasn't a plant, right? No, he wasn't. No, this was that. This was. And he sent me this poem, and I'm like, I mean, for me, it was just like, geez, I think it's freaking great, but I don't know if it's any good at all because I can't judge a poem. How would I even? How do you go? Yeah, I had to ask. I had to ask some other people, and I had a couple other people read it, and they're like, oh, this is this is. This is better than anything you ever wrote. So. <laughs> <laughs> what did you write? But I did. In a way, I did. They didn't read your Michelangelo poem. No, they didn't read my Michelangelo poem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm the last poem in the book. Usually, I either am the last or the first or whatever. But I'm the last one. Because I can publish my own poem. It's freaking... Sometimes we do that. But what did you say about doing your own thing? Don't submit. Don't submit. What was it? 
Don't submit, do your own shit. Do your shit. Don't submit, do your own shit. Um, you know, uh, I ask, I ask, uh, so I wrote this poem for the 30 poems thing because I was thinking of the Center for New Americans for People. Now, a lot of this country was built on immigration and, uh, um, you know, my own children are from South America. We adopted them. They were orphan children. Um, and we were grateful to have them. And um, that's what we do. Uh, we, in this country, we bring, people come in and they find their way somehow. They find their way. It's not always easy. It's not easy. But um, that's where we come from. A lot of us, most of us. Don't turn your back on me, Liberty. Don't turn your back on me, Liberty, where my grandparents danced on their wedding night in your torch held high. Now dwarfed in the shadow of the towers gone missing, you hide your tears inside. Don't turn your back on me. I need to see your face. I need to hear your weeping wail for all of my brothers and sisters who died that day. Don't turn your back on me, Liberty. Let me caress your cheek. Let me softly kiss your tears as you forever hold your torch on high to light the way for those who still suffer and die these many years gone for the price they paid. Don't turn your back on me, Liberty. Hold your torch high for justice, for courage, for peace, for freedom, for love, for mercy. Amen. 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 Thank you all so much for being here and for your poems. Thank you for your poems. This is a lot of work, but it's worth it. And I'm always like tired of reading them at the end, but when people express them in person, it's so meaningful to me. So thank you so much. Thank you. So many wonderful poems in this book. Thank you for helping to make it possible. The editors, yes, thank the editorial staff, the, the readers who picked, helped me pick the poems out. Uh, Stephanie, the collective copies people who helped put it together for me. Oh, but then you ran out of lines to finish the melody, and I was like, and that's it. <laughs> All right. How was that? Did you feel like you were there? Isn't that fun? Transported you to a poetry reading? Yep. I deliberately didn't edit it very hard. I wanted it to really feel kind of just like the experience of being there. Room sounds abound. Oh, yeah. Lots of lots of background chatter and stuff. And I think, you know, actually having just finished editing that, I really like that. I wouldn't want to clean it up anymore. So hope you feel the same way, too. Be very excited for our next little um, bonus episode we're going to be offering, which is when we were part of a panel discussing the Beatles on Tommy Takayishi's brilliant creative piecemeal podcast. Yep. And then uh, a couple weeks after that, we'll, we'll get back to you with probably another special guest. Many from which to choose might be John Shire. Mm-hmm. All right. So for now, thank you much. Remember that five-star review is writing. <laughs> and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Gobble, gobble.
The Meat for Tea cast is produced by Elizabeth McDuffie and Meat for Tea, The Valley Review. Visit Meat for Tea at www.meatfortea.com. Please consider going to anchor.fm to make a contribution through our contribution page. You can reach us through meatforteacast at gmail.com or you can leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash meatforteacast. We welcome suggestions for contents for the Meat for Tea cast. If you've attended a Meat for Tea Cirque and want to hear from one of the bands or one of the spoken word contributors, please let us know. All portions are copyright Meat for Tea and their respective holders. Vote for Meat for Tea on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Elizabeth, Meat for Tea on Instagram and on the Meat for Tea and Meat for Tea cast Facebook pages. Meat for Tea is available everywhere you get your favorite podcasts.